Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to another season of the podcast, season three to be exact. If you are new to the podcast, welcome and thank you so much for checking it out. A quick rehash for our new listeners. My name is Falashade Anozie. I am the host of the podcast. I'm also a lawyer, music lover, Lakers fan, and all-around amazing woman. What I do on the podcast is I talk with Nigerian music producers, creatives, songwriters, and music executives about their journey, their creative process, and the business of music. If you like what you hear, please share the word and don't forget to leave a five-star review or comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. Doing so will help the podcast grow. You can also find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Okie dokes, so my first guest of season three is renowned Nigerian music producer and audio engineer, E. Kelly Beats. E. Kelly has worked with artists such as Emaya Baga, Mr. Easy, Waje, Ice Prince, and Techno, to name a few. My conversation with him covered music publishing, the need to be smart as a music producer, and more. Welcome to the show, E. Kelly. Thank you so much for being here, for helping with the setup. <laughs> it's my job. When I blow, I remember you. <laughs> I'm going to start off by saying I was watching a video of you and you talked about how you reinvested your money from, I mean, the money you got from Kid's first album. You invested your money back into your business. I wanted you to speak on, because I feel like we're in a time or is it we're in a generation now whereby everybody wants to floss for the gram. And especially with producers now, it's kind of, you kind of want to put your name out there as well and show people that you're, you're being successful. So what advice would you have for producers who maybe they get that first check or maybe it's like one million and they feel like they have to move to like a bougie place as opposed to maybe buying better mics and getting better equipment if you could speak about that. How do you, how do you balance that? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky question because um, I think, um, hum- like, you know, humans have like a hierarchy of needs. And at different points in your life, you have different things pressing for your attention. But you cannot ignore the fact that if you want a career as a producer, you have to have the tools you need to make your production work easy. I know a lot of producers who maybe are, they are really big and they, they have quite status, but they don't have their personal studios. Every time you call them, book them for work, they have to look for a space to work because they may have a personal space. Of course, every producer's room is a studio. <laughs> you know that. So like, but maybe sometimes where they stay or how they live is not convenient to bring every kind of client in there. So I feel like that investment on having the tools you need to make your career take off, it's the most important thing. I didn't understand that when I started because I was working for many studios. That was way back in Joss. So I didn't really understand that. And of course, I was kind of young. I was naive. And I didn't see the big picture like I did when I came to Lagos. So um, and I also feel like it, but it's just more, more of a thing to know that it's priority to invest back in the, in what you believe in and what the career you want is. Yeah. And I asked that question because, again, especially because you also want to further your brand online. But you, sometimes I feel like it's just what you said. You see people sometimes missing the point that you do have to invest, reinvest your money back into your business because it doesn't kind of make sense for you to be popular online and you don't have a studio to call your own or you don't have equipment to call your own. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is that, you know, it it's also depends on personality type and um, upbringing and what you perceive as the more important things some some producers are okay with just being with an artist that can give them a glam life and sometimes they forget to try to establish that life for themselves 
a lot of times when I was as a producer, one of the things that kept running through my head, especially when I'm having such a, a great time, maybe in because of um, an artist I'm with or an artist I'm affiliated with, the only thing I always tell myself is that can you, when are you going to be able to get to do these things for yourself, travel to these places by yourself, um, get into those meetings by yourself. So that was a focus, like it was like a reshift. So I, I was now not, I was getting discontent with having been attached to projects and teams and having, it wasn't like, it was a good thing because trust me, they opened doors for a lot of things that happened in my career. But I was looking forward to a period where I would command those things by the value of the work I've done myself. What was it like growing up for you in Joss and how did you decide that music was what you were going to pursue? Yeah, okay. Growing up in Joss the most, was the most beautiful thing. Um, I can say it's the best gift life has offered to me, um, especially being a Nigerian. Um, prior to the crisis, like Joss was a... And it still is an amazing place, yeah, because there's a different kind of spirit. It's laid back. Um, very good for family and um, very, we're very content people, we're quite simple, we're not extravagant, we kind of um, focus on the right things, you focus on your talent, you focus on your craft, you focus on just achieving and you you just want to, you, you're more content with just being able to take care of the basics and it doesn't stop you from dreaming but you we have like it was it was a nice place to learn to be content and to learn good virtues it was yeah i was i was in the school um baptist high school in joss and together myself emma baga a whole lot of people we had a whole lot of talents we had chiefy from style plus who was there we have aramide who is yeah so we're quite a lot so there was there was a musical culture in the school um, I happen to be one of the people who were in the creative part, always on the keyboards. So was MI. And um, then my predecessor, Ewongo, he was actually one of the people that really motivated me because I was all about drums. But I wanted, the keyboard was the new instrument in school. And I was like, I needed to be on something. I was feeling left out. Like I had to wait for a concert or something before I saw a drum set. And that was frustrating. So I got on the keyboard and that was like a blessing. Now, one question I have for you is, I think I was watching, I was reading something that you said, and you said that you first discovered, not like you discovered, I think that you said you identified your sound through YC's Omalaji, which you produced. I wanted to know why it took you a while to identify your sound, because you have produced songs for so many artists, from Wajet to M.I. to Wiz to YQ to Fosik to Ice Prince to Young L to Nato C. Um, Brimo, there's so many. So what was it about Omar Laji that made you say, okay, I, I found my sound? What was it about that track? And the, I guess just even working with YC in general. Yeah, okay, I think for me, why I called that, why I put that as a landmark point in my career was that it was one of the things that I did that I didn't know was inside me. I didn't know I had that because I'd been looking for my commercial sound for a long time. And the way Nigerian industry was, we were at the point where music was so fast. Like to have a club song, you had to have a song with a tempo of 120, 127. Remember, it was, there was a point, I think, <laughs> um, the Mavens took, I think it was, no, no, the Mohits had records that used to be as high as 140. You understand? I think one. So it was, and for me, songs that were fast tempo were always a problem for me to make. Not because I couldn't, but because most times I see myself doing too much in 
a fast song and maybe sometimes it being too musical because most times as a producer, I think one of the challenges I had when I started was that everything needed to make sense. If I play this chord, it needed to, the bass line needed to follow the chord. I mean, I, I couldn't play accidental notes. Like there's just a whole lot of things. I always wanted everything to be logical. And then at the end of the day, it sometimes was maybe too much for the artist or sometimes in, I think my greatest success in that era was techno's dance record so and that was like something that it was a fluke because we kind of we i created the beat and he just took a section of it and we looped it over and over it was from there i started learning that okay you know what people want to dance to a steady rhythm they don't want things changing because i think the the mistake i used to make before was that things changed a lot in my music i could just from the verse i could just start playing something else and then so i was doing that a lot so but that changed a lot and then it's like my the sound came to me like when that um afro ghana sound came when i did it the first time it took me a while to make homology it was like three months in the making but making that was it unearthed something that was always in me that i just never had the i never had the opportunity to express yeah I kind of just kind of going back to kind of piggyback into what you said, talking about how like you felt like you were doing too much um, with commercial song with commercial songs and you having things to be logical. You've also said that you feel like keeping it simple is one of your greatest secrets to making pop sounds. Now, my question is, don't you think that pop sounds, especially in Nigeria, have become too simple? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll agree with you. Um... What has happened between 2015 and now when the... Because I, I think that was a different evolution. Like, I think what has happened is that the pop sounds are options. I'm not saying that the options got limited, but um, I think what people see as a standard to make a hit song... Because let me just... I want to even just say as it is. An artist will call, call, call me up and say that, oh, you know what, um, I want to I want to work with you. But this, the idea I have, I want to do something like Bona Boys, Bona. You get it? So they're already putting you in a corner. So you could make something original and unique. But because all they're thinking about is to have a song that sounds like Bona Boys, Bona, they're going to just frustrate you until you make something similar to that. And then, sadly enough, there are a lot of producers who, when they get those kind of calls, they just repeat the exact song in maybe at worst because it's they're making it using different kits and stuff. So because like I too I got I got irritated at the point like with Nigerian music, but it's that's why we're here. We're here. Um we who've been here for a long time, we pay setters because I, I agree I'm, I know I'm a pay setter. People follow after what I do. So it's our job to give people options to open up new territories that's why i always whenever i'm making up a new a song i'm always trying to think of something to do to give someone else a new idea and then even what makes it worse is that the artists now start singing like each other so you can't really differentiate you're hearing a song in the club you say oh is this uh is this is this bono but you say no it's not bono it's they'll call some other kid and you hear, oh no is this a whiz kid and then you hear like five artists that are sounding you get so and one of the big i i've been in the industry and i've seen that one of the bigger problems sometimes could come from the sponsors people who actually put their finances behind the music so it's and it's it happens everywhere in the world you get it people who put finances on music don't want to take risks so if a song is not sounding like something that was hot out there they would not want to push it 
You understand? So they will pressure the producer, pressure the artist. And I can tell you that a whole lot of talented artists have lost their pathway trying to make a hit song. And because all they've been doing is been trying to be a cheap copy of an original. Because I just like, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I love Nigerian music, but sometimes, it's like you said, it's just that just sometimes it just gets so, it's like, I've, I've, this beat is like this. And I know that producers have bills to pay. I get it. I get that. So why, because I have producer friends, so I get this, but I want to just ask you again. It's like, why is it that producers can't just say, you know what? I don't produce songs to sound like Borna Boy. Why can't you just tell the person, like, unfortunately, this isn't working. Maybe you should go seek someone else as opposed to just saying, okay, you want to sound like Bonner, I will make you a song that sounds like Yes, um, I can answer that question in two perspectives because I'm also in the business. Most times I like to determine what I can and what I can't do from the initial point. I won't just take a job and just say, okay, whatever it is, we're going to create it. You understand? I like to have a creative conversation with the artist, try to see what they're trying to achieve. I speak with every party involved, the artist, the label, the financer, every, just everybody I know that could have an influence to know that we are having, we're speaking one, one language. And then I try to assess the artist's um, capabilities because sometimes they could want to make a record like um, some other artists, but they don't, they are nowhere near it, you understand? Sometimes I would tell an artist that you're not singing properly or you don't have the right vibe to make this kind of records why not just do what you're best at and some people just sorry to say don't have the talent at all they have no business in music but i think either they have somebody who sponsors or they just have that they they, they just maybe just woke up and they saw this kid and they just want to do that so for me i think producers take on that because sincerely people need economic empowerment i'm just being straightforward on answer as is and so and most times it's it's hard like, you know, there's this Nigerian thing, like, you know how it is when you go to the market, you buy a shirt and you, t- you want to take it back and tell them that, see, oh, this shirt's not my size. You know that experience you have? I'm not saying that people producers are that way, but it's almost like when money gets into your hand, you account it to, to income. So you would want, you would rather try everything you can to make that production. And sometimes it's also an ego thing. They don't want to see that. Oh, they came to me and they couldn't get anything done. So they'll do, and trust me, I know I've been there. There are times that artists have frustrated me so much, but because I just need to deliver, not just for today, sometimes also to secure um, yeah, future jobs, also to so that people don't lose faith in you. So, so I think that's one of the reasons. But I think one thing to distinguish is also how and the mentality of how it's been approached. Is it just like... Um, I want a whiskey soccer song and then they just start making the same elements like dun, 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 dun. you just should produce everything like no i feel like that's lazy most times when i'm in the studio i'm listening to hot songs out there to understand the kind of energy to make but i would try all my best to make sure that my beats are not sounding like anything out there my co-producer said i should ask you this question that do you remember the voice notes that you left on mi's mi2 oh <laughs> uh, yeah 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 I'm, I'm trying to remember but i knew it was something very funny it was something about i guess you you said you said that he kicks you out of loopy <laughs> now he said that i should ask you is was that true um you know those you know we had for for myself with mi um we were kind of like family we grew up together you know, there's there's this thing that happens when you're growing up there are some things just the normal um shrug of 
things that happened. Like Loopy music was something that was it was like a brainchild of myself, Jesse, MI. There were a lot of us. We we're, we're just like all young people um trying to run to do music and work it through an umbrella because we had that thing that okay we came together as a force we could come against um, the strong labels in lagos we're just daydreaming <laughs> way back when so but it so happened that mi was the one who saw a bigger picture and was able to he had a, a, a better blueprint and and he was able to kick things running way before we came to lagos he was already organizing um unplugged shows unplugged events he was doing tours around campus and doing a whole lot of things in joss abuja going to and so he was actually um running the machinery of loopy music and for me i had no issue um letting him run because he had he was making it work you get it so so um i knew that there were some other personal things said yeah i remember i said something about um, him kicking me out of his house and stuff like but that was just of course if if you're a visitor if you just imagine let's say you you're living in lagos and your friend comes over to and is always at your place you would address that you understand so it was it maybe i was young and sentimental yeah or, or maybe i felt some kind of entitlement and then secondly when we recorded that voice note he was trying to get me to make statements um, and he was telling me that, what do you hate about MI? And then I was that was the question. So, and I was like, I answered that question like four times. He said, Ikeling, you and I know that this is not, <laughs> this is not, um, <laughs> you've not said anything. He said, say something that is going to be worthy of note. And then I was just like, ah. So he just kind of like, he just kind of just like pushed me and I was, I just let it out. No, yeah, because my, my co-producer's points with that with what i just said is that he wanted to find out if that push was you looking back now you feel like it was good yeah it was it was absolutely good let me tell you with, with me and chocolate city we had a very healthy relationship we have a healthy relationship amongst ourselves because we have a common background we all came in fact without chocolate city and without mi and co i don't think i would have made the moves i made coming to Lagos because first of all I'm looking at guys that we used to be in the same because we're in a house just exactly like this space I have this was a room here was a studio then there were rooms in the house we were always in that house together myself Jesse Ice Prince Ruby Lindsay Lindsay Abedin yeah so a whole lot of us were all there we always were in that space so so imagine MI first left Jesse left um ice prince left abuchi the manager left so everyone was going on by one i was like what's going on and the town was becoming so because like these were people i grew up with these were people i was doing music with and it was like there was no more essence there was no more drive i was losing my motivation and i was like you know what i just told myself in 209 i was like i told some friends i said i think this is going to be my last year in joss and when i said it i had no plan i had no concrete i because i knew i really didn't have I, I had uncles in lagos but i didn't want to come to lagos that same uncles so i was thinking about so i had a friend called charlie x charlie x was part of um loopy crew himself jesse jags they were myself himself and jesse were in a group so we came together and then i stayed with him when i moved to lagos and then i was shuttling loopy and all that i think that's how the whole thing so i can say that they were instrumental in pushing me out of that comfort zone 
so i'm forever grateful that's cool and charlie x is the person behind charlie what did happen right yeah 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 he is okay i love that song we're roommates for we're housemates for about five six years yeah we're like in sure there we're like five he was he's a very great guy like he's somebody that i would say he's very instrumental to my to my career because he had the house and i had the studio in the house yeah so um I'm forever thankful to him. We have a very great relationship, very great, healthy respect, and he's someone I owe a lot. Like my my brand owes a lot to Charlie X. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really lovely to hear. Now you've been working with Mr. Easy. You produced of which actually of his Life Is Easy Volume Two, Lagos to London, and before that you did Legova and you did Pour Me Water. Now the one you produced off of life is easy volume two lagos to london is property yeah i co-produced property with fred yeah then also then pomota is also on the tape yeah so for um life is easy volume two um it so happened that i made a lot of records that didn't make it to the album because the album was themed lagos to london so the album was gonna was gonna tell the story of Part one, where I'm in Lagos, and part two, London. So I had a lot of records that were in between, that that you you couldn't really define as, okay, this song is Lagos, this song is London. So in the final assessment by himself and his team, and also in, I inclusive, because I, I'm part of yeah, our team, it was most of the songs then were not fit for the tape. Not not about So this wasn't about the quality or about them not being good songs, but it was just that they didn't fit the story. You get it? So so that's why people didn't hear a lot of E. on that. But I did a lot of post-production, a lot of um, mixing, a lot of mastering, a lot of edits. So I did a lot of background work. On, it was a lot. Yeah. So you're also a producer and an audio engineer. It's just something I think it was something that I had to, a skill I had to get to, to enable my workflow. Because um, as much as I wanted to have... I have an engineer, his name is Sean. So I used to work with him in Surulere. So he used to be on the guy on my mixes and the recordings. But what I noticed was that every time I put my hands off a process in my music creation, I always noticed something different happens. And I stay, I, there was an inco- there's always an inconsistency in the output. So I realized that part of my trademark is being hands-on for as much as I can in the project so that it has my stamp on it. And what's it like working with Mr. Easy? I think, I think for Mr. Easy, he just has defined his life. Like he, whenever he says, when I say life is easy, you all say Zagada. Like that. He says, like sometimes I watch this guy. Like what is? He has no stress. Like it's so easy. Where when sometimes I remember when we recorded Legover, I remember my studio was in the room. Then he just sang one. I think he was hissing. He did a lot of things in the song. So I was like, okay, this is the demo take. So I think when we, when it's done, we're going to come back and take this. Ah, said no, I'm done. I'm like, what? Because I always know that sometimes people make um like demo takes and they come and do the serious stuff. So, but he was like, he's done, and I couldn't believe it. But yeah, and turned out to be an awesome song. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, before I wrap it up, Mr. Easy has this thing called Empower One Hundred, which is a way for it's a kind of like a platform designed to empower and support upcoming African talents across seven countries through the sponsoring of the music videos. What is your role in? I guess the project. So definitely, um, as part of um, as an ENR in Banco Music, so you definitely would want to have your the backbone behind your music. So myself, Guilty Beats, um, we're kind of like ENR in the project. So what we do is we we help in making decisions concerning the records, the artists, 
will put out. And um, so literally the power project um, is Mr. Easy trying to help artists who have no connections to shoot videos, to do quality videos, to release their music officially. So he's trying to just be that bridge for people who have that talent and have been yearning and have not really had an opportunity. So he's shooting 100 videos for artists all around Africa. And like, like as, as of now, I think they've shot about 20-something or so. Then we have the top 10. His top 10 favorites are going to camp um, in Cape Town. And we're going to be there to mentor and to put them through. And a lot of what I'm going to be doing there will be recording, um, trying to help them discover something new about their career. So... That's really cool. And just kind of going back to being an ANR, why do you think that there is a dearth of ANRs in Nigeria? I feel like we don't have, or is it that we have and people just don't really identify themselves as, themselves as ANRs? What is your take on that? Well, I think um, the thing is, um, I, I'll spearhead it more to definitions of roles and also maybe a bridge in the role being um, being seen as important and anyone seeing that role as something that they need to finance to maintain. For example, now I'm doing A&R for Banco Music, but let's say I'm not like, I wouldn't say, okay, I have a salary role on that. I'm just doing it based on, do you understand? I'm doing it. So I think what happens is that we have a lot of A&Rs, but because their companies are not set up with struct with that structure that this is an important place that needs to be occupied by someone or somebody who has that experience and we're going to actually foot their bills for the job they do. So the roles are always being played um, fictitiously or just randomly by people who have that talent and who just avail themselves. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not even talking about more of like the salary. I just feel like we everybody wants to become a record producer everybody wants to be a exactly everybody wants to be an audio engineer but people don't also understand that you know a and r's are so crucial yeah and i also feel like the a and r thing is not just something that falls in everybody i think it's one of the um hallmarks of a and r's is uh is to having had um experience years in the industry and then also having in those years of experience having some level of success with projects you've handled and then also a lot to do integrity and bias and almost no bias so so these are like things that so you could have somebody playing an anr role but maybe they don't have enough success in the industry or they don't have the kind of integrity that you you would want to bank their opinions on so final question before we go to the fun random questions is what advice would you have or do you have for up-and-coming nigerian producers an artist in 2019 specifically in terms of identifying their sound perseverance making a name in the industry try not to sound like every other person let's start with producers okay i'll say for producers i would i would, I would always advise that they should um they should first find something to work on that gives them fulfillment to, um find an artist not necessarily an established artist maybe an artist that has something so unique i'll give a good example there's um in this empower project um there's an artist called jay Doruby. so he's been produced by an upcoming artist co- producer called ugly beats so just imagine now that the ugly beats guy was was working for the jay derby guy and just give him a half-hearted effort 
with the mind that oh this guy is going nowhere he's got no sponsors he's got no but literally right now they released a song from the empower project and that song has it's literally on almost on almost every chart in ghana and that part of they're each they're either number one or two they're in the top 10 of every chart but they were in the first week of release they were like on top 10 itunes so literally imagine he's having a career start up with an unknown artist that was picked up so the reason why i'm saying this is that a lot of upcoming producers they work with um an upcoming act for a while and then maybe they just lose hope too early they lose hope too early i know an artist who was work a producer who was working with a new upcoming artist that just that had a good year last year um and just towards the period before he got signed they had a fallout on just very minor very very petty stuff and right now i'm imagining he would have been that guy making music with the artist and having like a reputation and so but um i i, I think and producers need to be less sentimental i know that they need to survive yeah so it's so and also i know it's it's hard because sometimes artists are not as sensitive as they should be and sometimes they take too much advantage of favors take too much advantage of um they define producers in a way of they see them as tools to achieving their goals not really as co-partners and i feel artists producers need to focus to establish their brands to be strong enough so they can command respect they can also command um, um be in charge of how their careers go and so that they are not always at the losing end of bargains and that they do not end up being low-balled whenever negotiations are brought to the table. Okay, and just before I go on to the artist, what is your take on the fact that a lot of times you hear people say, there's no publishing in Nigeria, so even if a producer should sign a split sheet, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of time. Thoughts on that? Well, for me, my, from my experience, like when I started, I was never signing split sheets and Trust me, even there are some projects that I've recorded recently that split sheets have not yet been signed. But of course, the artists always get notified when I pick up a project that, oh, this and this is going to happen. So <laughs> don't get it twisted. <laughs> so um, I feel like it's just best to start the culture. And the thing about split sheets is that you, even though you may not, not be registered under a publishing site, but having the agreement covers you when you eventually get all your things sorted all your legal stuff all your have yourself in a society have a collective society have your numbers and all that and trust me publishing works because nigerian music is playing is being played on itunes and spotify it's on boomplay um you also have um mechanical rights which you could claim if for example the artist didn't spend money on the project you could claim for points Understand just to recoup your input, you understand? And there's a standard rule of a 50-50, 54. The creator, the creator and person who made the music and the sound, and 50 for the writers and the performer. So it's just always important that you start doing that now and reach those agreements so that you do not start fighting in the future. Because you could just have a fallout. Like for example, I have a lot of species that are not signed, but I'm not panicked towards any of my big records because I ha like I remember Omalaji Split Sheet was signed after like a year or so after release. Um, Leg over, Mr. Easy told me straight up, you own 50, I own 50. And we've been working, in fact, one of the reasons why I'm working on Mr. Easy today 
was because of how transparent he is concerning um, what's due to people who are in creative process. Like, that was the first thing that caught my attention. Like, he told me, oh, Legover, you own 50, I own 50. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, who does that? Because most times people come tell me that, oh, they're going to give me 20%. And I still, I, sometimes I feel like, oh, maybe that's me asking too much to... Yeah, but I until I started reading the laws and I got signed, I got my pub, my first publishing administration deal with Sony ATV. And, so, and then I now started understanding some certain things that, oh, so it kind of opened my eyes to what's due to me. And then over time, yeah. And trust me, it's not an easy process. Like getting, like you could spend two, three years just trying to get yourself <laughs> to get, I'm still in the, pro, I'm, imagine I've been on this since 2014, 15. And I've not like, Everything is not perfect yet because, like, I've not started getting mechanical right incomes. You understand? So it's it it takes time. So, but just don't give up on the process. Don't give up on it. Don't just keep pushing. Get a lawyer that knows what sh- he or she's doing. And yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, what about for artists? Yeah, for artists, I think it's very important that you understand because I'm going to be defensive on my field. You understand that you don't that even if you're paying a producer for a record, you don't own the music completely. And trust me, I couldn't believe that in this day and age, some people still bring production contracts, um, making a producer to sign off everything that they own in the music and tell them that after the payment of this, the the artist has a hundred percent. Like I've seen those contracts so many times they've been sent to me and I'll just laugh <laughs> when I just, I don't even need to even talk to my lawyer. When I send it back to them, they just, they start shaking. Some of them back out of the project because a lot of artists come with that mentality that they want to take off the full rights and the full publishing on the record because they feel they paid you $500 or $1,000 and think that that's enough to buy you out. Like that's crazy. Artists should just have a conscience and trust me, I feel like when you have a mind of equity you end up you 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 open yourself up to more blessings you open yourself to people are more people find it more find you more trustworthy to deal with and you just see that success will be easier we're going on to the fun random questions first question is name an app that you use but you hate i use what i hate instagram <laughs> why what is it about instagram i feel like instagram is is like is an app that okay yeah it connects you to i don't think i don't think some okay yeah instagram has like it's it is like you know when it's just a pie charts of good but it's like almost like diets like when you have this there's the good diet then there's there's that junk and there's that thing that um keeps giving you a lot so i feel like instagram is that place where you of course you're following up on your friend you're following up on family you're following up on people you you like people that inspire you, people that motivate you. And then, of course, you have that other set of negative things that you, you, some things that maybe not just in your nature that you get, you constantly being fed through um, Instagram. Like, so I feel like it's, it's, it has, it's like, it's a plus and it's like a plus. But I think the most important thing is fine. Like right now, I've been telling myself, I said, I think maybe I'm going to go offline for like maybe a month just to have some sanity, like a, like to have some sanity and to be able to focus, refocus, not just, not focus, refocus, because I believe I, I can focus enough to do what I need to do, but I just feel like it's a big distraction sometimes. And so I kind of, so it's a, so it's a love-hate relationship. 
I think one of my solutions for Instagram is because I have like my podcast and then my personal page. I just I always feel like it's important that you control who you follow. So like you said, whatever it is your it's coming onto your timeline. It's it's um posts about goodness, funny stuff, not something that's tearing someone down or like gossiping about someone. You know, so yeah, that's that's really really. Sometimes when I find myself doing like a mass unfollow, I I sometimes feel bad about it because sometimes I know some of these people they know me one on one and then they'll be like ah Kelly or followed me you know but 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 true boys that like sometimes I actually give whenever I, before I unfollow anyone. I'll always give you a chance to see that, okay, maybe what I'm feeling, I want to be sure that what I'm feeling about what the person is bringing to my timeline is is real or whether it's maybe just, I'm just being, yeah, overly sensitive. And sometimes, let me, let me sincere that there are some personal, some things are just personal. You get either just like, you don't get along with someone in a certain kind of way and you don't want to be pretending to yourself that all is well and so on. You just want to just not see that person in your face every day you get it second question is what does it mean to you to live a good life for me to live a good life it to me is one to be in a place of internal peace yeah one and to be aligned to god's purpose for your life and it's not like it's wrong to have your desires or what you want but i feel i've come to realize of late that when you are in line with what God put you on the earth to do, things are way easier. And I realized that most of the troubles we have in life are the things we we desire. And some of these desires, it's not as if it's wrong to desire those things, but I think above all the desires is we have to put that God desire above anything so that you just have that balance. For me, that's my perspective and my take on a good life. Because when things are okay on the God side, like every other thing just flows. Third question is, what is your favorite movie soundtrack? Um, I think right now I would say, I think I just go in your favorite one. Um, um, what's that movie? Um, the movie with um, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Um, Shallow? Yeah. Yeah, Shallow. Shallow is my favorite movie soundtrack right now because it's too real. Like, it's just, like, I used to have others, but that's, this has knocked off everything. Yeah. It's such a great song. I, I hope it wins the best song for the Oscars. I think it will. <laughs> Fourth question is, what stereotype about men slash women do you hate the most? Okay, of course, you know I'm going to see that whole thing, men are scum. <laughs> <laughs> but you know some men are scum, right? Yeah, I know. I, I don't like to hear that a large percentage of men are scum because even the good guys, even us, the people who are good, we still have scum attributes. So I don't blame... Yeah, but I just feel like it's... What I don't like is you living with that mentality because if you live with the mentality, it's going to always be a reality. So you have, a, you have an idea that men are scum, you always meet scum men. And if you have that idea that women are women cheat or women are not faithful or women are whatever you just always keep meeting that last question is what are you most grateful for today <sighs> i'm most grateful for the most thing i'm grateful for is the grace of god yeah the reason why i'll say that is that it's that it's the grace of god that covers um it covers you from things that should have drowned you and things that um you don't deserve, you know, you get them and it's, there's nothing, nothing can come near God's grace. Yeah. Because it's, it's so undeserving. Like you, you make mistakes, it covers you, you, you're good, it covers you. And then it's so, what's more amazing about the grace of God is that you sometimes in a point, a period in your life when you feel like you are 
in your perfect run, when you're doing things right, you now realize that it's not even the things you're doing right. It's the thing, it's what God did right that covers you. So I'm most grateful for, I can never be grateful about anything because things come and go. People come and go. Situations come and go. You could have a job, you could come, you could go. So, but God's grace is that thing that just is new every day. It meets you every, at whatever stage in your life you are. That's awesome. Ikeli, thank you so much for being my first guest of 2019 and being my most favorite so far. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is produced by Fola Shade Anosie and Tomiwa Faomi. To ensure that you do not miss out on subsequent episodes, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Mixcloud, or Stitcher Radio. That's T-H-E-S-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We are also active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Bye.